Welcome to Real Talk, a podcast ministry from Trinity Lutheran Church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Real Talk can be defined as talking candidly, openly, and honestly without fear of what others might think. Real Talk is a type of conversation we need in our world right now. So join us as we here at Trinity Lutheran Church talk about where faith and life intersect. Now that's some Real Talk. Well, welcome everybody to our very first podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westcott, the Associate Pastor for Children, Youth, and Family Ministry. And with me today are Ashley Olson, our Youth Director, and Sarah Reed, our Children's Ministry Director. How are you two doing this fine morning? I am great. Doing well. Awesome. I'm so thankful that you both are here, and hopefully this ministry can be something that is just life-giving for this whole congregation and to everyone beyond. Uh, Our plan right now is just to have real conversations about where faith and life are intersecting for us right now and maybe have in the past as well. Uh, We hope to get some other guests in the future, and uh, we'll just see where it goes. This is a brand new adventure for us. So, I think by way of letting folks get to know us a little bit more, uh, let's just talk about kind of where we grew up uh, in faith traditions and churches. Let's start there. So uh, I'm going to ask Sarah, let's, let's dive into Sarah Reed's experience of faith growing up, whether it's uh, in different churches or uh, when you were at seminary. Tell us all about it. Yeah, thank you, Tom. It's good to be um, on the podcast here. Um, So I grew up in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Um, Grew up in a very faith um, type of household. Um, Grew up in a Methodist church, extremely small. Um, The amount of kids my age and my siblings' age were very, very small. Um, The congregation was roughly like 65 years and older up. So my brother and sister and I really didn't have a lot of friends or kids in youth group with us. There really wasn't a youth group. Um, It was more of building relationships with the elders. And looking back at that experience, it was so fruitful because I got to know the elders and those who've built faith for many years and they were able to pour into my brother and sister and I, and it was very small where they, they knew what we did during the week. They knew our um, softball games. They were at our softball games. So it was just a very beautiful um, experience. And as I kind of got older and kind of um, went into college, I kind of explored different churches, trying to figure out kind of what um, was kind of fitting for me. So I did a lot of church hopping, um, did a lot of different types of churches, Lutherans, ELCA, Lutheran, um, Baptist, Methodist, and just kind of met a lot of friends through the process, was able to grow looking at different styles of worship. Um, And then as I kind of got going and going through all of that, it kind of brought me back to the ELCA and back to a Lutheran church, which is um, obviously where I am now. So 
growing up, it was nice to have the freedom to a little bit for me to be able to, to grow and learn and to see different styles of worship, but also to be grounded in faith um, and know that that is something that I wanted and needed um, in my life growing up. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so I'm, <laughs> pardon me, but you went to, you grew up in a church where your youth group was extremely small and now you're leading our children's ministry that gets like 500 people assembled for vacation Bible <laughs> school. How does, yeah. how does that experience back then growing up influence what you do now? I mean, that's a huge difference. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that I wanted as a kid. Like as a kid, I wanted that youth group experience or just that friendship. You know, like as a kid, I wanted to be able to go into church and see all my friends and hang out and do all those cool things. And so this now as a children's ministries director, I get to see that in the kids here. And that's something that those kids get, which is something that I kind of wish I had as a, as a kid. Um, so there's a lot of beauty in that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a very different experience when you, you really only have your brother and sister to, <laughs> to hang out with and you hang out with them all the time during the week. So you get kind of bored with them in church. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely creating a space here at Trinity for kids to be able to engage with other kids and to meet as many kids as possible which is something that I never have and I had and I want kids to have that experience. Wow. Wow. And you're doing great work, Sarah. Oh, and uh, that great work just doesn't end with you. Ashley Olson, you too are uh, leading our youth in ministry and you're doing fantastic. So let, let's get to know you a little bit more. Well, I actually grew up at our Savior's Lutheran Church right here in Eau Claire, which is now Spirit Lutheran. Um, so that was the building um, that I grew up in. And we did have youth and families in our church. We, I mean, it was young families all the way through elders at that church, um, but it wasn't huge. Um, and like my aunt and uncle went there and my great aunt, my great aunt, my great uncle went there and my cousins went there. So we had family there and um, I had peers there. My confirmation class was maybe like, I don't know, 10 to 15 kids. So decent size, but not huge, but it was kids from predominantly Memorial and I was a North kid. So um, there were just a couple of us North people. So I only got to know um, like a few people from other churches, but we weren't, it wasn't tight knit. It wasn't close. It was confirmation on Wednesdays and that was it. Um, so there were peers, but I wouldn't say it was a place of friendship. Um, so it was church for me growing up was more of like, a a family experience, like more of a tight knit family, like for us and my aunt and uncle and my great aunt and my great uncle and things like that. So, um, yeah, we didn't have all of the extra activities and VBS. Like, I don't remember doing any of those things. Um, and it wasn't a big thing, really, that I felt like other kids and peers were having that I didn't have. Um, so unlike Sarah, like, it wasn't something I was really yearning for or looking for at that moment. Um, 
But then when I went to college um, and people talking about faith and me trying to figure out how to do church on my own and I was in lacrosse and I didn't have a car. So it's like, I just didn't really do church in college um, because I didn't really have the opportunity to. Um, but then I had an experience about going to Luther Park Bible Camp and um, that changed my life. So being at Luther Park Bible Camp as um, just a random guest with pastors, like the pastors took me. So it gave me the opportunity to not be a camper, but to be um, that person that hung out with all the pastors and just got to enjoy all the experiences of camp. Um, and that really opened my eyes and brought a new light to faith that that's something I want to do. And that's something that I want to bring to other kids and youth because I want them to have that yearning and that positive experience and that want and need at that younger age that I didn't experience. Um, and Luther Park just had so much to offer. And so I ended up working there for three summers, um, like I said, which completely changed my life. And I've had a lot of careers um, or jobs and all of those had a lot of struggles and through those struggles um, I've come to realize that it has pointed me back towards ministry and so um, that's how I ended up at Trinity um, doing doing youth work so I love it and um, like middle school is like my niche like I really like where those middle schoolers are really trying to figure out life on a whole bunch of levels um and I like being a part of that struggling process and a part of those conversations that um then as they move into high school then continue to um change and morph into okay that now what faith piece where when I was in high school and college like it just kind of wasn't a thing so you know, being a part of that process. That's why I love youth ministry and why that's why I've ended there. Or come to be there. I shouldn't say I'm ending. Come to be there. So I'm, I'm hearing some connection here. While Sarah had a little bit more of a, uh, that yearning for involvement in like a youth group type setting at an earlier age, you got it later, but that it was still facilitated through a community. Uh, whether it was a, a faith uh, congregation or, I mean, Luther Park is its own and any church camp is its own beast. And uh, so many lives are impacted by outdoor ministry, especially all of our ELCA outdoor ministries. Uh, if you haven't gone to one, you need to go. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, but yeah, you both have had those experiences in community and that that discernment of kind of what you're called to do I think is just fantastic and kind of going off from you Ashley like Luther Park is such a huge part of can be such a huge part of a kid's faith development right like a part of that like I was also a counselor for Luther Park and I remember telling my 92 year old grandma that I was going to be a counselor at Luther Park and she's like is that the park that's in the camp that was in is in Chatech and I'm like yeah you heard of it and she actually was a counselor back in her days and she just washed dishes and she loved Luther Park and so you look at Luther Park of what it was back then for you know my 92 year old grandma and 
look at how it's evolved and how it's grown, the multiple faith generations is incredible. So we definitely encourage any type of outdoor ministry because it can be very powerful. And Ashley, I have a question for you. Um, what was it like going to college without a car? Like, how did you struggle? Did you like it? Did you not? Um, I didn't really know any different. Um, and there were a lot of people that didn't have cars uh, when I was in college. Um, I know I'm not that old, but you know, like I didn't have a cell phone either. Like I didn't get a cell phone until I was a senior, a senior in college, you know? So I'm back in the day of calling cards, right? So, you know, I, it just was what it was. Like I didn't have a computer. Like I had to go to a computer lab, like in the basement of my dorm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, that was my freshman year and then I did get a computer, but you know, it's, it's, it's good in a sense that it encouraged me to somewhat stay on campus. We're being um, in lacrosse. It was like away, but not away away. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it encouraged me to stay on campus somewhat. Um, but it was isolating on some levels too. You know, I, you had to depend on other people or ask people to like go or do things. Um, right I worked I felt I didn't like my freshman year was good and I think it was good because um I was a homebody and so I probably would have just gone home every weekend so it was really good for me as a freshman to not have a car um and maybe my sophomore year too because then after my sophomore year I believe was when I worked at Luther Park so once I had that and had that faith need in a different way and wanting to be able to go to church and not being able to go to church, I felt like that's when it became more isolating, not having a car um, and not being able to seek that out for myself. So even though I wanted it, I, it was just something I couldn't, I couldn't do. Right. Right. And um, the only church I could go to was right across the street from campus. Like I could walk there. It was a Newman center and it was Catholic, which you know, Catholic churches are great. It's, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, and it was a very liberal Catholic church. Like all college kids were invited to go. Everyone could participate in communion. Um, a lot of the stuff was similar. A lot of it was very different. And so it, it just, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, and so unfortunately I didn't utilize the closeness of that. Um, cause it just wasn't right. But yeah, I, I found it to be more isolating after working at Luther Park and wanting that for myself, so. Right, right. Yeah, because I remember going to college and, you know, telling my parents, like, I'm not going <laughs> unless I have a vehicle, right? Because you feel, you feel isolated, you feel stranded. There's just something, right, about getting in your own car, going where you want to go, like, <laughs> not having to depend. So, yeah, definitely a different experience when you go to college. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Tom, how did you end up in ministry? Ooh, uh, I'm not sure we have enough time in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, well, I grew up in my grandfather's congregation. Uh, he was a pastor. Uh, he was from Latvia, which if you remember, your eighth grade geography is a country on the Baltic Sea. 
uh, over by Russia. And he served an immigrant congregation in Minneapolis by the time I was born. And uh, he he served there. Oh, my, oh boy, I think he probably retired when I was in sixth or seventh grade. Uh, he had lung cancer and he was just needing to focus on treatment. So he retired. And so I grew up in that very small immigrant congregation, which might be more like Sarah's experience where I was one of, you know, maybe 10 kids in the same kind of age group. Uh, So Sunday school was myself, my brother, my sister, a couple of my cousins, and then we would partner up with another church and their 10 kids. So it was very, very strange uh, growing up in that sort of setting. Uh, because then once he retired, we just went to our local neighborhood congregation, and that is Mount Olivet, which is, if you know, your ELCA churches has about 15,000 members. So uh, that was a culture shock for me because we did almost everything in that congregation, whether my mom was playing the organ to, you know, fellowship after church, coffee, bugging my grandpa, you know, whatever to your anonymous. So I started confirmation there and I knew nobody. I mean, no one from my school went to that congregation. My brother was the only person I knew. And growing up, I was much more of an introvert. So it was kind of a really rough experience for me. I just felt so alone. And yet my mom said, this is an important thing to do confirmation. I just felt like I don't want to be here. And so that whole process was tough for me. Uh, And so when I was confirmed, I just kind of stepped away from church. Like, yeah, I'd go on Sunday, but it wasn't something that was very life-giving. It was more of an obligation. So if you're a high schooler out there, (laughs) you're not alone. Uh, And so it didn't, it didn't, uh, Faith and life, that whole connection didn't really get to me until college. Uh, I had struggled that first semester uh, playing football and, I'll be honest, partying and just having the full college experience that first semester, it was like, okay, uh, I am not putting grades and things I should very, very high on my priority list. I was I was struggling academically and I was an almost straight A student. So I had to really buckle down and figure out what in the world I was going to do. So I, I got C's that semester and that was awesome. So that second semester, I, I took a bunch of different classes just that were of interest to me to try and get back on board with having a good GPA. And I took a course called Jews and Their Messiahs. And it was this historical and anthropological approach to the messianic movements throughout the Jewish faith. And it was taught by the rabbi chaplain on campus. And it was Rabbi Barry who taught me without teaching me that a life of faith isn't just going to church or going to synagogue. It's a whole lot more. You live out your faith in every facet of your life. Now, he kept kosher. And so for him, it was like, hey, everyone, let's come to my house for a pizza party. I'm going to have kosher pizza. 
you can have whatever you want, but it's like, whoa, okay. So like this, I don't want to say weird, but this part of his faith is lived out every day by following kosher laws. And so it got me thinking just how, how I had been missing out on that. So uh, I just took more and more religion classes to the point where I needed to transfer. I felt I need to explore my Lutheran roots more because I was so interested in this academic approach to the faith. And so I went to Augsburg College then, it's a university now, over in Minneapolis. And uh, I just fell in love with how faith and life meet in the toughest parts. Uh, I did my big senior project on Dietrich Bonhoeffer and how he could be a pacifist and then move into this role of being okay as a part of the the gears of an assassination attempt on Hitler. And it's like, whoa, that is where the rubber meets the road. Like when you're put into these tough situations, how does your faith inform your action? And so that has always been kind of my like my moment and like, yeah, I need to dive deeper. I need to go to seminary. I need to I need to be a part of a community. Um, I didn't necessarily think I'd always, I'd be a pastor per se, but I needed to be involved in ministry in some facet. I think going and becoming a pastor through the Master of Divinity program was just like, okay, this is what Bonhoeffer did. This is what my grandpa did. Like, okay, like, let's just follow this track and see where it goes. So uh, yeah, that's a long way to say, uh, I'm kind of, if Sarah and Ashley had a baby, I think it'd be me <laughs> because both of you had, uh, I'm, I'm seeing and hearing a lot of similar experiences from both of you in my life. Uh, but it's this whole idea that faith lived out in community. Um, it's really resonating with me and both of your stories. And I hope listeners at home or in the car, uh, you're, you're experiencing that as well, because, you know, I, I think when we isolate ourselves with faith and just say, oh, I experience God in the hunting blind or on the boat. Yeah, we can, but who's going to be there to challenge us when, you know, our faith turns a little bit more inward and it's more of a convenience than being held accountable in community. Uh, Because I mean, and that's just how I see it because when I have tough questions, like when I was a, seventh, eighth grader back at Mount Olivet, I didn't feel like I had that community to, to buoy me up in faith. And so I just kind of turned inward and kept it all to myself. Those big questions, uh, I just didn't feel were comfortable. I was comfortable uh, talking through as a whole, you know, that's me and it's, you know, the, the program itself. But I think when we, we just isolate ourselves, uh, we, we lose a big part of who God calls the church to be, and that's the body of Christ. And all of us have different functions, and all of us, uh, sorry, I'm starting to preach now. Um, <laughs> all of us are called to function together, and that's what the church is. So, sermon done. Well, and that's a good point, Tom. You know, I think it's, it's too, it's about recognizing, like, where the spirit is in our life not just, you know, where God is in nature and where God is in, you know, those types of things, but also like, where's God in the people that you meet, right? Like, I think we encounter so many people that might push us towards something. 
And I think it's recognizing like that's the spirit moving. That's the spirit working, right? Like the people that can challenge you and make you think differently or, you know, you agree on, but you know, like who are those people in your, in your life that might be those little spirit nudgers to help you, you know, move forward. Like, like growing up, like the pastor at my home church, like she was one of those people. Like she constantly poured into me um, at 15 years old and really geared me towards ministry. Like that is like, I didn't want to necessarily do ministry. Like I wanted to be an elementary teacher. Like that's what I wanted, like elementary teacher. And she was one that just kept nudging me and nudging me and giving me opportunities within the church, um, you know, to do certain things and to explore. And so that's, you know, kind of like what you were talking, Tom, like those people that can, can nudge you, right? Like how sometimes we also nudge Ashley Olson that she should go to seminary, right? Like (laughs) maybe that'll be coming in another podcast, but um, being intentional about that is really important. So did that pastor plant those seeds of youth ministry or was it more your, your own missing that youth community or was it both and? Yeah, it was kind of both and. Um, it was more towards like pastoral ministry, honestly. Um, like she gave me opportunities at 15 to preach on like Easter Sunday. Um, and she, she guided and helped me kind of, but like gave me the freedom to do what I kind of explore. Um, and that's, that is like, and I can picture right now, and I'm sure my family can too, like that was a pivot for me in my faith, like 100%. Um, but I didn't step into that. Like I still went to college thinking elementary because I thought, well, I'm a, well, at that time I was like, well, I'm a woman, right? Like, and like, I'm young. So how do I even get into seminary? Like, what does that even look like for me? So it was a lot of fear. Um, So I did a year and a half at UW Stout in elementary and it just wasn't for me. Like the, the culture and all of that just wasn't for me, I didn't create like the friends that I wanted to create. And I just knew something needed to happen. And so I always had in the back of my mind, like I should really transfer to like Bethel University um, where I can get a degree in ministry and then go get, you know, my MDiv and be a pastor. Um, and I remember calling my parents one night and I'm like sophomore in, in, in college thinking this sucks. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, can I just drop out? Like I'm I'm done, right? Just because it just it just wasn't for me. And my parents, I specifically remember them saying, Sarah, we set up um, a day for you to go visit Bethel University. We think you should transfer. And like, I'm pretty sure I like dropped to the floor and cried because that wasn't a conversation on the table of, you know, transferring to Bethel at least. Um, and so it was a total God moment for me of, yeah, I think that's what we should do. Next day we went and we visited Bethel in the Twin Cities and I transferred mid-semester. Like it was very, very quick. Um, And then I went to Bethel University where I just loved it. Like the friendships, the having the faith foundation in all the classes was something that I think I really yearned for as a kid and now as like a college student like 
I was able to actually do that. So I got a degree in ministry and then that ended up getting me here through, through people that I knew um, and connections from Luther Park, actually. They said, oh, Trinity Lutheran is hiring. You should check it out. So I did like, so the spirit was so active, but I had to be able to, to recognize that um, and to not sit in the, in the fear of going into ministry. And now as I look back, I'm like, that's stupid, right? Like, <laughs> it don't matter if you're a woman, like, it don't matter if you're young, like, it's a matter of, I think, stepping into what God has called you to do. So there's definitely a lot of people in my life that have led me to where I am now. So you're saying you're going to preach for me sometime soon? That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> you know, maybe. <laughs> She'll say yes. She'll say yes. She'll say yes for her. Oh, and then we'll say yes to some for you, Ashley. Uh, no. No, I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. Um, Come on, Ashley. Uh, the the people thing, you know, that you guys have been talking about really resonates with me, but um, there's a piece that's always big in my brain that I just want to speak to on, on people. So I think like people speaking and pushing you and the Holy Spirit moving is really huge. But I also think, especially for young people, it's really important that you just kind of pay attention to those people, but you're not waiting and you're not expecting this big, aha, my whole life is different and whoa, Jesus, you know, like, I, I think that's a big misconception in our society that in order to be this great Christian, you need this big defining moment. Um, and I think, you know, that was something like going into college, you know, I went to different types of churches. I went to different things on campus, all very not Lutheran, all very not what I believed. Um, but I was like, I, I questioned myself and I had a lot of doubt about if my faith was actually real and if my faith was genuine because I didn't have this huge and major pivotal you know moment and I and I think that it's really important like I said especially for our young people to know that if you're this person that grows up in the church you're not going to have this huge moment like this come to Jesus moment in the same way that someone else might and that doesn't belittle your faith. That doesn't change your faith. That doesn't make it any less important. Um, because we we all have life-changing moments. They might just be lots of small moments that lead up to a life choice that you are choosing or accepting or a path to follow. Like being at Luther Park wasn't this you know, the sun shines down, the clouds separate, and I hear Jesus's voice. Like, it wasn't that. It was more all of these small moments um, that reminded me of my, like, original faith and my original um, beliefs and understandings. And it, and it helped me realize that those were true and that those were a piece of what 
I wanted my life to be about. Um, yeah, you know, I, this whole college, you know, we keep talking about college and college experiences, but I don't, I don't want to send the message to people that their life journey is any less or their faith journey is any less um, because their experience is, is different. Um, because as a college kid, I struggled with that immensely um, and devalued my faith because of that on some level, because I didn't have the same experience. And I think it's really important that no two experiences are the same and God works in such unique and amazing ways, whether it is a big thing, if, whether it's one small person or people, or you just had that faith all along and you continue to learn and to grow into that. I think they're all equally important and equally valid. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say about that, I guess. Oh, no. And I, I, I think looking back at how I was called into ministry, I think that's very apt. It's, I, I usually describe it as this luring of God into ministry that, uh, you know, it, it takes a while to look back at and see those little events throughout your life that are the tipping point. Um, yeah. Cause it's not this parting of the clouds. It's just, it's like, Oh, wow. Like, yep. I think, uh, I think I finally get it. And, you know, like we're not alone. Like, uh, there is a, uh, ancient dare, <laughs> dare I say ancient, uh, Christian thinker. Uh, his name is Augustine or Augustine, however you want to pronounce that of hippo. And, he was a monk and a bishop, and he was definitely not living how you would expect a bishop to. Uh, and it was this slow luring of God through his mom and and some other folks that led him into faith. And so, uh, yeah, I think the, the mountaintop experiences that a lot of media, whether it's, you know, song or movies, these revelatory moments, I think are rarer than they might suggest. But um, I, I want to just shift gears for a second because we are talking about community and special moments. Um, we as a church are in the season of Lent. And I just want to know, like, how have you experienced that community, uh, good or bad, uh, during the season of Lent? Because Lent is a very intentional time of the church year when uh, we make this turn from celebrating Jesus's birth, Jesus's uh, teaching and preaching and performing miracles. But now we're literally, we're, we're jumping to a different part in a lot of the Bible stories we read to Jesus's walk to Jerusalem, to uh, Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and uh, eventually Easter Sunday. So how have you experienced community uh, through Lent? I think for me, you know, growing up um, and having church at night was something that was very unique. Um, you know, you'd go and you'd eat soup and you would have worship at night. It was the one and only time during the church year I could wear jeans to church. Um, and you know, it's, 
there's just something different about worshiping at night because worship on Wednesday evenings or Saturday evenings was just not a thing um, when I grew up. It was Sunday morning only. Um, and I think the, the darkness associated with that, you know, um, going to church when it's kind of, you know, getting dark and leaving for sure when it's dark, um, it, it was just a very different and life-giving experience in a different kind of a way. Um, there were more people in church being one service. Um, so you'd see people from both services at one service. Um, and so I think just having people in the church building at a time different than normal um, was kind of that reminder that church isn't just a Sunday thing. Like church is a thing that is ongoing that continues to go um, when you're not in the building. And I don't think I completely grasped all of that um, as um, a kid, um, but looking back now, I see that community in even more ways um, because of it being at that, at that time. Um, and the other, the other piece was a lot of people were much more serious and it was much more solemn during that time. And I didn't really understand that as a kid, but it was always something that like kind of intrigued me to try and understand like people's feelings and people's emotions, you know, like it, it was a lot harder to read people. The greetings were different. Um, there was just a lot of differences surrounding Lent for me. Um, as a kid that I have now come to love um, as an adult, those just being a few of them, so. Well, I think maybe collectively, we're all kind of tired of winter by the time Lent comes around, right? And so we're just like, uh, it feel, it's a heavy time of year, but it's also, um, it's a way in which uh, we can enter into that heaviness that is a natural part of our cycle, our annual cycle of seasons, in the church year and looking death, uh, down the, down the barrel is uh, a hard thing to do. And so we do that as the community and it's, it's rough because we, on Ash Wednesday, those words that, that when you put the cross on your forehead, it's remember you are dust and to dust, you will return. That's yikes way to bring me down. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the, the Ash Wednesday stuff and mortality um, as an adult or as a kid, it was very much like, okay, I can't wait to get back to my pew because I'm going to turn around and I'm going to look at everyone's crosses and I'm going to see whose looks the best and whose is like just a black smudge. And, you know, I want to go in the bathroom and look at a mirror and see what mine looks like. Like those were the pieces as a kid. And I think moving into young adulthood and adulthood now, it's much more about the mortality um, and that we're all gonna die. And that that's just a part of our life cycle and understanding that better and Jesus and our faith being a part of that. Um, and as you get older, there are more and more people you know who struggle with illness or struggle with terminal diseases and who who have experienced death over the past year. And so we come to Ash Wednesday 
carrying all of that baggage in a sense of all of everything that Jesus carried to the cross, right? So, you know, we come with a lot more baggage and a lot more understanding of our own mortality and the mortality of people around us. Um, and it, and I think it makes that day much, much harder, um, especially for people who are currently living that or who have currently just experienced, experienced that. So Sarah, you, in your journey uh, through church and churches, uh, was there any like particular congregation or experience that exemplified uh, community to you? I mean, I, I, it does, you know, change over time as Ashley has, uh, has reflected on, but you seem to have much more of a varied uh, experience when it comes to churches than Ashley or myself. So I'd be interested to see what other denominations that you've attended for any period of time may have reflected that. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a lot of um, church hopping, <laughs> you know, if that's kind of what they call it nowadays. Um, yeah. You know, growing up, it, I don't really have any special memories of like Lent necessarily. It was more of, you know, we go to church, we're going to see grandma. Um, you know, I remember my brother and my sister and I like making fun of, you know, the stuff on our foreheads and, you know, it wasn't necessarily anything super um, serious, I guess, for us as kids. And then as I got older, you know, obviously that has kind of shifted and changed. But um, I remember one church, um, I believe it was in Eau Claire, Har Harvest Time. So my parents went to Harvest Time in Eau Claire for a little bit and then kind of went back to... Um, a Methodist church. So my parents also kind of church topped with us as kids, I guess, but for a small short of time. Um, and they had a, like a theater play for Holy Week. Um, and that was very powerful. Um, I just remember, you know, little snippets of it, but my sister was very young and she, it was a little too dark per se. So like she spent basically the whole time outside with my dad, but, um, so seeing Lent in more of a theater way and them with costumes and outfits and dim lightings and all those things as Jesus, you know, is going through the different things and Holy was extremely powerful. Um, we necessarily didn't have a huge community at, at that church, um, but it was definitely a different way to view or look at the season of Lent than kind of the, the way I grew up. Um, did quite a bit of Baptisty churches um, and non-denominational churches um, throughout college and experience Lent through that. Um, one in particular was very powerful for me was, was Mill City Church in Minneapolis. Um, they partnered with a school district, so their church was actually in their school, in their auditorium. Um, and then, so they would bring all their equipment in do what they needed, you know, do worship, and then they would bring all their equipment out. So it was a way of them partnering with. Um, and I remember for Lent, one thing that they did to kind of build community is they would have a question on the screen, and then they would have five, 10 minutes for you to stand up and talk to the people around you. <laughs> um, that might freak a lot of us Lutherans out, right? Like we don't, <laughs> we don't like to do that. Um, 
but that was powerful because you were, I was able to talk to a mom, uh, a mom and dad at that time about Lent and their experience and what they thought of, you know, all the different um, opportunities. So it allowed for growth and conversation rather than just being an inward reflection. Um, and for me too, Lent was always about what can you give up? That was kind of big in our household. Um, we tried, <laughs> right? Like that doesn't always last. Um, you can try to not eat chocolate, but then, you know, you're dreaming of chocolate cake and you can taste it on your lips, right? Like <laughs> as a kid, like that's all you want. Um, and so growing up now, like it's been interesting and Ashley Olson, she challenges me on this is um, like, what can you add, right? Instead of what can you give up? What can you add? Um, and so that's been interesting too, to just kind of think about and um, challenge myself that way. So lots of community and then lots of not community within, within Lent. If that is good for you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, 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 you know, need to hear about these different experiences because I only know mine. So yeah. only through conversation, do I get to, to hear yours? Uh, well, we're just about running out of time here for our first podcast. Uh, is there anything you'd like to tell listeners to, to join us again next time? I no, I just, I just, I guess want to say thanks for tuning in and listening to um, our conversation about faith and life. And we hope we can challenge you to have those conversations with the people in your house or your friends. Um, and just to see what God is up to in all of your guys's lives. Yeah. And I would be curious, you know, if, if there are any topics that you would want to have discussions about or to listen about or um, learn about, um, I would encourage people to provide that feedback to us um, so that we are talking and discussing and learning about things that are, that not only excite us and that we find fruitful, but things that would be great for you as well. Yeah, I agree with both. Uh, a word of thanks. And also, yeah, we'd love to hear what kind of topics you'd like to hear us talk about, or even if you want someone else to join the conversation uh, that you might know from Trinity or from the larger community, we'd love to have them join us. Again, this is just real talk where we're just talking about how faith and life meet. Uh, and, you know, it's just an honest conversation. And today, you know, we had maybe a question to get us rolling, but, you know, uh, it just took off from there. And I am just so thankful to both of you, for both of you, for uh, taking time out of your busy schedules to, uh, to have this conversation with me. Thank you for listening to Real Talk, a podcast ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where we talk about the intersection of faith and life with real people, real life stories, and real faith. Join us next time.